You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. We're excited to have Barry John Mulder on the show today. He is a high-performance coach and performance architect for busy professionals and business owners that want to take back control of their health, performance, and boundaries. Barry John is also a dad to three incredible boys, husband to an incredible woman, business owner, and a man in relentless pursuit of better for himself, for his family, for his community, and the world. He has been in the coaching game for 22 years, had more losses than he can count, and despite that, he continues to drive forward and create the best version of himself. Barry John, thank you so much for taking time to share your insights from the journey to reinvention with us. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about your story. I'm sure I missed a few things in that bio there. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in South Africa. You know, most of the time was left outside until six o'clock in the, in the evening. I left to myself. I was always, you know, I guess looking for healthy trouble. You know, that would include being, you know, surrounded by ambulance on Christmas Eve because we made a chlorine bomb. You know, I was playing chicken with my cousin on our BMX. Oh my God. Disappearing for days on my grandmother's farm. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. You know, I had an incredible childhood, you know, very sort of, I guess, non-health and safety version, <laughs> you know, non-bubble wrap. <laughs> and But you made it, you survived here. You Absolutely. Are. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I, I wonder what my parents are doing, but in the end, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful because it, it teaches you to, to be self-reliant, but it's just, it's fun. You know, you don't, you don't think about these things. And then, yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've just been going at it since day one, really as early as I can remember Yeah, pushing the limit. Tell us, tell us real quick, actually, before we even get started with our main questions, you know, what, what inspired you to create? So we met through Matchmaker, which is a platform where podcast hosts like me can meet a guest like Barry John. Uh, so tell me what, what inspired you to create your profile? I'm just curious, yeah. like what did, what, what were you hoping? Uh, well, I, drive I just, I just love to help. I love helping. You know, I, I've always, that's how I've always looked at it is, is help. Mm-hmm. Like if I can be of service, if I can be of value, if I can be of support, because you never know, you never know whose life you can turn around, you know, just by being there. And mm-hmm. a lot of it stemmed from the fact that I always had mentors around me growing up. You know, I had, you know, my, my, my mom's uncle, I call him my uncle, you know, he, he trained a lot of professional golfers, you know, guys that have won masters mm-hmm. tournaments, you know, like, like, serious PGA, like serious players, you know, some, some of the best yeah. names to play. And, you know, he, so he was around me. So he was always, you know, talking to me, you know, about my sport and how to think and how to focus. You know, he tried, he tried to get me to stop rowing and come and play golf. And, you know, it, <laughs> just, and having that around me. And then, you know, also like my mom was always, you know, very successful, 
at pretty much everything that she touched, you know, both professionally and, and, and in her personal life, sporting wise. And I just had that, I just had that around me all the time. I had people giving me guidance, giving me support. And, and, yeah. you know, that, that's where I always looked at it. And I, I saw my, my family life growing up because my folks grew up in, you know, what is now Zimbabwe, but was Rhodesia. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were involved in a, in a civil war there, you know, so, and, and my family history of military service stems back all the way to, you know, the, the Anglo World War beginning in the 1900s. And, yeah. you know, the family unit has always been there that unit mm-hmm. and togetherness. So, you know, looking back at, you know, we would have, you know, we were the, we were the place for those that didn't have a place to go for Christmas or for Easter mm-hmm. or for, you know, family holiday time. And it was always, you know, 20, 30 people at lunch type thing on a Sunday, yeah. you know, for birthdays. So I guess just having those people around me, you know, people that had been through some stuff, you know, that it's seen mm-hmm. some pretty serious things and they could pass on that knowledge, pass on that, that wisdom and expertise. And yeah, it was just, you know, from there being given the opportunity to compete in sports, you know, again, met amazing mentors along the way. And I, I just felt compelled to ensure that anyone else I came into contact with didn't matter who it was, you know, it could yeah. be a gas or petrol station attendant, you know, what can I help them with? It could be, you know, helping someone across the road. I'm probably going to get mugged one day by some old person <laughs> because I tend to help them across <laughs> the road all the time. But it's like, you know, it's little things like this. And yeah, so it uh, that 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 started from an early age, you know. Yeah. Well, at least, I mean, if you did get mugged, at least you could say, well, I did it living my values. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I guess I guess even getting mugged was aligned. Exactly. <laughs> so not ideal, but aligned. Aligned. You know, and, and of course, now we've got this incredible technology and platform for podcasting where mm-hmm. there's so many ways to get our message out. And I think that that's also what makes yeah. this time, I guess, really unique for your mission and and clearly what one of your values is, which is service. And so this is what drives you and you have the tools to be able to do that. Awesome. I appreciate that. I I see that's the story right there behind the bio, right? That's the story we don't get in the bio. So that was, I think that helps us understand you uh, a lot better as we go into some of these questions. So let's get right into it. So the the first question that I want to talk to you about is your definition of success. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to hear how you think about success, but then also once you've set us up with your definition of success, then tell us, like, are do you consider yourself successful at the moment? Have you hit that level of success that you define sure. as success for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I used to, you know, when I was 13, probably till the age of about 25, really, success to me was stuff, medals, mm-hmm. titles, you know, pats on the back, <laughs> stuff and and that's that's changed right you i mean i don't even think it's a case of getting older it's just it's just if you take the time to look at how you are behaving and look at the trajectory of your life success to me now is choice having a choice Mm -hmm. and you know there there may be someone you know who listens to this that go oh no but i don't have it you've always got a choice you know trust me i've been Mm -hmm. i've been homeless you know, I had a choice. I could stay there or I could exhaust every resource that I had to find a way, you know, and that's not diminishing anyone's situation. We've, we've all got our battles to fight, but we've got a choice at the end of the day, you know, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that really is, 
to me, success is, is a choice, you know, uh, coming home after work, you know, into any situation that, that I put myself into, what can I bring to that situation? That's a choice, that's success, you know, having, having that awareness. So yeah, you know, what it was many years ago was just stuff, you know, I, I, I mean, I was, I was a maniac growing up. I, I laugh with my friends now, you know, the very close friends that I have, Yeah. how we are responsible for children. I just, I'm just like, <laughs> I, like I just laugh about it because I'm like, we were maniacs. We were, we were idiots. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was never. What, what was some of the stuff? What was some oh, of the stuff? I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I used to, I used to manage a, a gay bar. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I managed this. I was at university. It was yep. great money, cash in hand. And, you know, they would, mm-hmm. they would have they, the staff there had to be straight. And, you know, I mean, it was just a wild time. It was, oh, okay, great. I'm mm-hmm. 22 years old. I'm walking out of here with, you know, $1,000 <laughs> for one night of work. But where do I go from here? I just, you know, I, I wasn't drinking at the time uh, because I was still competing in my sport. So I couldn't drink. You know, I was very careful. You know, I've, I've never, I've never taken any drugs in terms of like, you know, cocaine and, and that sort of thing. But I have microdosed with, LSD and, and, and mushrooms. I'm a very open book, but I, I did that more from a performance perspective, you know, after having mm-hmm. not looking into it. And, you know, I've, I've had some marijuana in the past, but not like I need to do it every weekend, but it was a case of like, I couldn't yeah. do that stuff because I was still in the testing pool for the world anti-doping association. So I would just mm-hmm. take my friends out, you know, I'd be like, Hey, where are you guys at? They're like, Oh, we're we going home. I'm like, no, let's go for dinner. So I just take everyone out. I was like, you know, I, so I was just blowing money. You know, I, that was my yeah. initial success was having people around me. And then, you know, that disappears, your trajectory changes and, you know, the, the so-called friends or, you know, the party kind of disappears. And yeah, yeah so just like stuff. I mean, it, it was just, it was like, okay, well, I train really hard, so now I must go out really hard. So I would what, go out. What Friday to Sunday. That was it. Wow. Out. You know, like, because I wasn't drinking, I guess I didn't have a hangover. Yeah. So I, and I was fit, I was healthy, I was young, so I'd just dance for hours. Then I'd go to this person's after party, go over here, and then I'd arrive home on Sunday and get ready for university on a Monday. It was in, insanity. Mm. You know, insanity. What... What caused that? Tell us a little bit about the evolution. So how did that shift? How did that begin to shift? Like, what, were there any moments or anything that caused that to begin shifting yeah. towards choice? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, in a way, I'm extremely thankful that nothing worse happened. You know, mm-hmm. I number one, I was pretty scared of my dad. You know, he said yeah. to me, he was like, don't lie to me, don't hide things from me, but don't drink and drive. And, you know, in South Africa at the time and now still, you know, there is a big drink driving culture there. And I mean, you know, not to be morbid, but over an Easter weekend, you'll have a thousand people die on our roads because of drunk driving, drunk driving, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, he was very clear on that. But also, you know, I, you know, in, in my family, you know, as I'm sure many families around the world are affected by alcohol and drug abuse. That was always a thing to me where I was like, maybe this is something genetic so you need to be smart here you know what are you doing this for are you doing it to feel better are you doing it to you know wind down or or are you just genuinely sitting there enjoying you know a friday evening 
drink with friends. But also at the same time, I couldn't do that because it, I just felt off with my sport because I was still competing at a high level in, in, in the rowing world. So, you know, the, the shift really came for me where it was where it was like, you know, I was, I was 25 when, you know, this was 25 when I left for the UK and mm-hmm. what made me move to the UK was, was just this, someone tried to hijack me in South Africa at gunpoint and I just lost it. Yeah. You know, I was like, my headspace was, I'm going to kill the next person that comes near me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that, that began the shift because it was a case of like, okay, you know, the, the, the going out and pushing because I was always looking yeah. for the next thing. You know, I could train really hard. Now I must now I must do the same thing inside my 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 social life. I must push as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my rowing started to slip. And you know, it was and it, I wouldn't say it was because of the going out and the potting, but I kind of knew that mm-hmm. that my heart wasn't in it anymore. You know, my, yeah. it, it wasn't. You know, I, I I think one of the biggest one of the biggest misconceptions. Is that we have to have a passion. We've got to have a passion for something. But if you look up the definition of passion, the root is from passio Latin, which means suffering. You know, and and that I, I was starting to suffer. I was starting to suffer. Like I, you know, every yes, I was going out, but I was spending money on like I was paying my way just to drive two hours in traffic to go and train and and, and it just started I started resenting it. Mm-hmm. And the going out was the was the way that I could satisfy this need to push, you know, and yeah. be the center of attention and 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 to be the the showman. And then my lights nearly got put out on the twenty fifth, you know, or uh, twenty five. There was about, if I recall correctly, the 9th of November, two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and someone tried to hijack me just outside my university, and something broke in my head because I went straight to my parents' landlord who owned a gun store. Yeah. And my exact words were, what do I need to do to get a weapon with a license? Because I'm going to kill the next person that comes near me trying to take what I have. Mm-hmm. And now that was a very impulsive, very angry, very frustrated human being at that time. My rowing, you know, my rowing dreams, I hadn't made the Olympics. I hadn't, that, that decline had started, you know, pre-2009, mm-hmm. all that had started. And the pressure cooker of society in South Africa, you know, it, it, it it's, you know, at the time, you know, we had a population of people that were promised things by a new incoming government and they weren't being delivered. Unemployment was sky high. And, you know, you don't think about it at the time. Because you're young, yeah. you're stupid. <laughs> you're just you're just in it for yourself. But years later, and I'll reflect on that in a second on 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 what made me forgive that man and forgive myself. But I carried a weapon. I got the weapon, and my father said to me, "He said, look, you've got a choice." He said, "I've taken life. I was in the military. I was a combat medic. I've lost life, and I've taken life. This is not a game. If you draw that weapon, you use it." End of story. He's like, but I just want you to consider something. You are going to go to prison for the rest of your life. And as, as, as much as I have brought you up not to see color, because I lived with tribal people in Zimbabwe 
I lived with him. We were we fought together. We were close family. Mm-hmm. You are the wrong color to go to prison in South Africa. Your life will be hell. And you know, I never thought about it until I left for the UK. But for a father to see his son to say that to his son, I was so thankful to my dad because mm-hmm. there was a day he let me go overseas. He let me go. You know, that, that was his way of saying, you know, it's, it's time to go oh, now. And that could have, that could have taken a whole different U-turn. You know, it was years later, mm-hmm. I reflected on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that man probably had nothing. and was, he was, maybe he was feeding his family. You know, maybe, maybe taking my car would have, I don't know. But at the time, I never considered looking at it from his, his position, mm-hmm. you know, not, not looking at it from his position. And that anger kept me trapped for years. The anger that I had from that moment and, you know, other things that we'll get into kept me trapped for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, madness. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that, is a, that is a powerful way to get to the outcome of a new definition of success, choice. And I could see where, why it's grounded in it, what it's grounded in. I mean, it's, it's definitely deep. Um, and, and that's an, it's a powerful transition to go from stuff to choice. Um, but I could see how this moment would make that change. You know, we, you, you touched upon some of these things. You touched upon some of these things in your response. Uh, let's, let me just do a pause real quick. Let's talk about beliefs. Mm-hmm. So obviously we all have empowering beliefs and disempowering beliefs, limiting beliefs, you know, that hold us back. Yeah. Uh, what, what's an empowering belief that is, that is powering you right now, that is serving you um, at the moment? Well, uh, you know, for, for me, it, it changes all the time. But I think at the core, at the core for me is don't believe the lie that you've got time. Mm-hmm. And for me, it sits at the core. You know, it's, I mean, there's multiple versions of that for me, depending on the day, <laughs> but I don't yeah. believe you've got time, you know, don't believe you've got time because, you know, and, and that was even, that was made crystal clear to me in, in December of last year, my mom was diagnosed with a very serious cancer. March 21st, she mm-hmm. passed away Boom, like that. Wow, man. You know, I'm sorry. No, no. You know, we, I, there, I, I didn't cry about it there was no not not because i couldn't grieve but mm-hmm. coming back to that definition of success i had the choice i had the opportunity and the freedom to go and spend time with her in, in south africa like mm-hmm. high quality time focused time talking to her listening to her three weeks of pure focus no concerns, no, no worrying about money, no worrying about, uh, you know, getting back for, for coaching, no, nothing. Focus time, choice, the ability to be there. And that was highlighted for me was this, this very, very, very clear example. Don't believe the lie that you have time because we don't. Mm-hmm. You know? what's, an, what's a limiting belief now that's holding you back? Well, I think having a limiting belief for me, I, I would say it's always been there for me. At 10 years old, I was told by a maths teacher that I was going to amount to nothing in life. And mm-hmm. what that had stemmed from 
was I overheard my parents having a discussion around finances mm-hmm. and I couldn't see the board at school. So I decided to help them save money by not asking for glasses. So that's why I had nothing in my maths book. But I freaking love maths. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. Great. But because I had nothing in my book and because I chose I chose and, and again it's not because I'm falling on my sword or you know, like nothing. It was like, no, I, I wanted to help, you know, just because of what I'd seen yeah. around me. I went, like that was my my first beginnings of being of service, you know. But mm-hmm. we all know that like there's, you know, there's there's a smart way and, and, a, <laughs> and a not so smart way to do things. If you can't see stuff, ask, you know. If you don't know, if you don't know the directions to a place, ask, you know. So it, 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 that stuck with me in a way of, it was limiting to me because it was a dark fuel that I ran on for years. Yeah. I was like, I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove this this teacher wrong. I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna show yeah. her, and it drove me. It drove me hard, and I would say that it was more willpower. Mm-hmm. And that willpower, yeah, it, it's a useful f- form of energy, but it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where the wheels started to come off, you know, later on in life for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was just writing, an art, I was working on an article today and talking about these lessons that I learned from a movie I just saw this weekend called A Million Miles Away. It's about a migrant farm worker who became an astronaut. Wow. And one of the lessons that I shared because it was depicted in the movie and apparently it was real, it actually did happen, was a that one of the teachers in his life had said something, in his case, something empowering, mm-hmm. which stuck with him forever. Mm-hmm. 30 years later, or, or over 30 years later, when he was going into space yeah. for the first time, he invited that teacher over. And I think the idea that, you know, the the what I was, the lesson I was sharing that I got out of that movie was that, you know, one sentence from a teacher can make a difference. However, for better and for worse, you know, that sentence could also be bad. And, you know, and in your case, it created a negative uh, or a limiting belief, Mm -hmm. a disempowering one that you had to battle against for a long time. And I think this is one that, you know, I, I think this is one that many people have in a maybe like not exact same source or it didn't come from the same place, but maybe they tell themselves as they're thinking about making a radical shift in their life or a radical shift in their career, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they can't amount to anything in this new field. Perhaps right. it's because they've invested all their time in learning in one field and now they've got to pivot to another. Mm-hmm. I can't do it there. Like I, I did it here, but I can't do that again, or I can't do that there. And this is a big one that I think holds yeah. us back. So yeah, uh, I appreciate you sharing that so openly. It, it, How do you, Oh, go ahead. No, no, it was it was really for me that that was then balanced out. I had an incredible Latin teacher at mm-hmm. Mr. Wilson, who was there. You know, by the time he passed away, I think he was at the school for over fifty-two years. He was a scholar. Wow. He was a scholar. You know, gentleman is you know playwright, wrote plays in charge of the drama society. I never took part in any of that because I was always rowing. But you know, he yeah. understood me. He, he saw the frustration with being told, no, you have to learn this. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. No, you just got to do it. I just I just switched off at school. He brought me in. He said, hey, here's some letters from Julius Caesar. Hey, here's some writings, you know, from Aristotle. Going, oh, who are these people? Oh, wow. You know, so I started like, yeah, that, that was extremely, I 
was like, oh, wow, you know, you got to learn about the, they were way off the charts from what, you know, society was at the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. the greatest minds that have walked the face of the earth. And that was, wow. that was extremely powerful to me because I was like, okay, here's someone that gets me as an individual. He's the only reason mm-hmm. I stayed in school. The only reason. Yeah. Because wow. I had someone that I could debate with and that instead of telling me what to do, they just went, okay, go and, go and prove your point. Go and prove your point of view. And I was like, okay, yeah. cool. You know, so that, that was amazing. You know, that was amazing to have. And that, I mean, it go, it, again, it goes to show how how important the, the the role a teacher plays, right? Again, for better and for worse, right? Because you have a story of each side of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at how you still remember Mr. Wilson's name. You know, I love how you still re- address him as Mr. Wilson. I, I, I totally get that. I can't call my favorite teachers by their first name. Just can't do it yeah. like that. It's just like a matter of respect. And, and also, I guess, just years of having always said it a certain way. Yeah. I can't go back that other way. But but it, it really is. And, and, you know, that makes me think in, in terms of, OK, so when we're young, we have this moment where we can meet these people who can really make a, po- a significant positive impact, lasting impact on our lives. Yeah. You know, I. I wonder who these people are then now, you know, like where, where do we get them? And, you know, and I think that's something interesting for anyone listening who's on their journey to reinvention to really think about how close these people might already be to you. You know, it could be, it could be a spouse. It could be, I mean, for me, even it, it was, you know, you know, ex relationships, like former, you know, girlfriends like that have left something in that said something really positive and really yeah. impactful. And so it comes from a lot of different places, but we have to make sure that we're capturing this and keeping our ears open exactly. and maybe, and maybe our hearts open as well to these, you know, empowering beliefs and these empowering ideas that can mm-hmm. serve us as we try to navigate, you know, this, mm-hmm. this tricky journey. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's no, it's like, th- this is where my, cause I mean, I nearly became a priest by the way. <laughs> so this is, this is my idea. I was, I, I was 15, oh, sorry, 10 years old. Um, I was mm-hmm. in a, you know, a Roman Catholic church school, Latin math. Yep. You know, you can't take the, the host or prayer of Christ with your hands, like super old school, like Da Vinci code, old school. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this seems all right. You know, you get to read books all day and, you know, you get to speak to people from, from a pulpit and, you know, but one of the, one of the, the priests that I got on really well with, you know, because he didn't treat me as a child. He treated me like an adult. He was ex-military before he joined the seminary. Tough, mm-hmm. tough guy. And, you know, Father Wall, you know, was renowned for sneaking out of the seminary. Mm-hmm. and entering local boxing tournaments and local wrestling tournaments. And then wow. parishioners would be like, Father, you know, what's wrong with your eye? And, oh, no, I slipped in the shower or, you know, I was doing God's work. And I and I would always be like, don't you tell us not to lie? And what, what is going on? It was very, And that's where I think the confusion started to come for me because it was then a case of, of it was then a case of going and to high school and I was like, wow, I've never seen girls that are interested in me before. And that idea of priesthood went out the, out the window really quickly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is a whole new interesting, a whole new interesting world to me, you know? So yeah, it was, but it, it's, I guess, guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, faith 
you know, I, and that mm-hmm. that's where Mr. Wilson came in. You know, he said to me, he said, boy, be aware of religion. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. really interesting. He said, many fanatical acts have been done in the name of religion. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, because I've been brought up with one side of, you know, yeah. religious history. And then he showed me the Crusades and he was like, and this was just a plundering. And I was like, oh, okay. And immediately when I challenged, you know, on Sundays when I was in catechism, challenged like, oh, they didn't like that. And I was like, okay, here we go again. There's the same theme coming back of, no, you must just take what we say. And And I was so thankful for him, so thankful for him because lots of those little lessons have just stuck, you know, and it's like, you know, do you have faith here? Or is like, and I use that, you know, in the different areas, is this, uh, uh, do you have faith in this or is it, is this becoming a religion for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, you know, religion breeds fanaticism. That's, that's what I remember he told me. And I was like, oof, you know, that always stuck with me. And I was like, wow. And, you know, but you can see where that wisdom came from. You know, I've been reading his uh, biography that someone wrote in the last few months of his life when he was dying Mm -hmm. of leukemia. And he traveled, he traveled to Europe. He traveled the world into the cultural hotspots of the world in every opportunity he had in time off from teaching. He would spend mm-hmm. overseas in Rome, in Paris, you know, all over the place, just around art, around plays, around history. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and you don't think about it like, and then you read, like I'm reading this now and I'm like, man, and I can always remember his lessons. There was energy. Yeah. There was attention. You just, you, you felt like you'd been in a time machine. When you walked out of his lesson, you're just like, whoa, you know, incredible human being. I'm so blessed to have spent, you know, the two years with him. So blessed. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I want to talk about, uh, you've had a couple of moments where you've Mm -hmm. uh, made some really big pivots or reinventions in your life, as I call them. Let's talk about your, your, let's call it your proudest reinvention, if you will. And, and, and let's just talk about that story. So tell, tell us that story. Yeah. You know, so, during our prep call, we, I think we talked about a couple, but I, I'd rather let you pick yeah. like the one. So I, would, I, would say the most, share. I would say the most defining one that helped me shift to where I am now in my life. Yep. Is finding out my son was going to be born. In, okay. So in 2016, I found out my son was going to be born. And, I, you know, I'm not going to apologize for getting emotional about it, but I, I may. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful to have him and Danny yeah. and Eric, the three boys, because I didn't want to have Alex. I mm-hmm. was so, I was so unprepared to be a father. I was unfit to be a father. Mm-hmm. That's just the end of it. You know, um, I was carrying so much anger and resent at my unrealized uh, athletic dreams. You know, I was very mm-hmm. fortunate enough to represent my country at the, at the world championships, but that was my ceiling and I never got to the Olympics, but you know, fact is I just wasn't good enough. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the truth. And, you know, a few years before that and, and not diminishing anything that, that, that those men achieved at the 2012 Olympics, but guys I rode with won an Olympic gold medal mm-hmm. and I tried to kill myself. Because I was just like, I was, I was there, you know, I, I trained with those guys. Not that I would have been a lightweight athlete, but 
you know, the, the what ifs are that, that regret, regret is an absolute killer. It's an absolute mm-hmm. killer. And I hid that away in 2012. I hid it away. Mm-hmm. And four years goes by, you know, or, you know, three years goes by coming up on four years. At that point, I got, I got married in 2000, sort of a year after I tried mm-hmm. to take my life. And just that anger, the frustration, the resent, everything building up. I was also in the midst of a, an immigration battle with a UK border agency because I lost my passport. <laughs> they were trying to mm-hmm. report me and I was like, okay, I'll go. But I, I physically do not have a passport. How am I supposed to leave? Yeah. And that, so they lost my passport. I was spending so much money on fighting that court case to get my passport back. That anger, that resent, that fear that I was just going to be grabbed by you know, border control, just rock up at my house and, and strip me away from yeah. my life, my life that I'd built in the UK over three, four years. At that time, I was also under visa restrictions, so I couldn't work past a certain amount of hours every week, which meant I was living on credit cards. And then it got to a point where I was homeless for three weeks. And then it was a case of that debt just kept building. And you know, in 2016, you know, I then found out my son was going to be born and I, that just, that just eroded everything that I had left. I was like, yeah. I am not fit enough to be a father. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was tearing my marriage apart. My anger, my frustration, my resent was just, you know, my wife is the most incredible human being I've ever met. You know, she's a rock and I'm a kite, hundred percent, you know, and mm-hmm. She, she gave me that. I, I never realized it until years later, but she gave me that one thing I'd always been craving in a relationship with another woman was stability. Yeah. Stability. You know, looking back at my mom and dad, you know, my mom, my mom gave my dad that stability that, and that, you know, you're not aware of these things when you're growing up and you're going through your own washing machine of life. You don't see these mm-hmm. things until you experience it. But, you know, my dad struggled, you know, with PTSD after the war. And, and you know, he, he he went through significant trauma. She provided that stability, you know, and, and that that's what I'm yeah. so thankful to Marta for is that stability. But at the same time, I didn't want to have my child, you know, and that, and that, that, mm-hmm. that hurts me to say, and I will mm-hmm. explain that to Alex one day. But it was then and there that I was like, right, this BS has got to stop, you know, excuse my French, this, this tolerance of where I'm at has got to stop. I was, I was 110 kilograms. I was a complete hypocrite. I was still working as a coach and personal trainer and telling people that, you know, keep their lives together. And I was a complete hypocrite. You know, I I was, Mm -hmm. I was a mess. I was a physical and mental mess. I was in, I was in debt. Financially, I was in debt inside my relationship, debt in my, I was just a debt. Debt was a <laughs> overarching concept. And that's when I decided, you know, to go and, f- you know, I went back to what I knew, which was find someone who has better tools than you and, and access them, learn, you know, go back to what you know, and that's get a coach. So I came across a guy called Paul Mort, you know, he's, he's from Newcastle and in, in the United the kingdom he saved you know he saved my life saved my marriage and i'm you know i I thank him every year 
on the date of the 24th of November. 24th was when Alex was born. 21st November is when I got back from a three-day rabbit hole plunge with him, basically. I learned to meditate. I confronted so much craziness that I was creating in my own life. And, you know, we unfortunately are conditioned to avoid reality. That's what we're conditioned to do. You know, in in my humble but accurate opinion, we're conditioned to avoid reality. And that's what causes so so many of our problems. We're conditioned not to have difficult conversations without understanding on the edge of that difficult conversation that can be done with respect, that can be done calmly. That's where the growth is, right on the edge of that discomfort. And I didn't know that, you know, like, they don't teach you this stuff in school. They just teach you how to regurgitate facts. You know, that, that's, that's, uh, Mr. Wilson is another teacher called, I, I called him Manier, which was Afrikaans for Mr. or Sir. Manier mm-hmm. Andre Lutz, you know, because he was ex-military, hardline, down the pipe, and he was just direct with you. And I was like, this is yeah. great. You know, like, I, I'm, you know, I don't care that he had a hockey stick in his hand that he used to hit the desk with. You know, you know, I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is like, I, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, I gravitated towards that because those are the strong male figures and strong female figures that I had around me growing up. So it, you know, it was, it was having, having that moment where I was like, you know, all this has to change. And I just came back and told my wife everything, told her I tried to kill myself, told her where I was, you know, across the board. And uh, yeah. yeah turn my life around, you know, turn my life around to the point where I got rid of 135,000 pounds in debt, gone, you know, gone, mm-hmm. got rid of it, you know, started dating my wife and mm-hmm. I started asking her what she wanted to do, started to understand her love language, started to understand that a relationship is more than just what happens in the bedroom. It's about being mm-hmm. there, being connected, being present and, you know, I took back control of my health to a point where I lost 20 kilos in a year, you know, without following some ridiculous diet or, you know, just making the choice, you know. Yeah, focusing on chipping what, away at it little by yeah, little. Yeah, and focusing on what served me, saying no to things that didn't line up with where I wanted to go, saying yes to the things that did. Scheduling and being stringent with schedule, stringent with, with what you're going to do day by day where you're going week by week, what the goal is in 30, 60, 90 days, a year's time, and just yep. being willing to invest in myself, you know, to back myself. Yep. And I'd forgotten how to back myself. And that's where that competitive animal started to come out. And that's where I found the sport of jiu-jitsu. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had, that jiu-jitsu is a pillar in my life. It's a pillar in my life. It, it takes that impulsivity that I have, that natural impulsiveness, just go bam. And it goes, mm-hmm. okay, if you do that on the mats, someone's going to snap your arm off, <laughs> you know, or put you to sleep. Yeah. So that's such a huge part of my life because it keeps me very, very calm, keeps me very reflective, that 30,000-foot view of what's going on. And it was my life became about being the absolute best version of myself for me because that's what makes me feel great, inspired and excited and interested and curious. But that bled over into my relationship with my wife. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to hear her say to everyone, yeah, uh, is a completely different person. You know, to to have the connection that we do, the conversations that we do, the time that we spend with each other, the connection I have with my kids, I it's priceless to me. It and and that mm-hmm. you know and 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 that led me into the next stage of creating Project Relentless. Apologize for the plug. But that was that was where my yeah. career changed. You know, I went yeah. from high performance strength and conditioning into high performance performance architecture for busy men and women. Because mm-hmm. other people started reaching out to me, hey, you've lost all this weight and we see how you interact with your wife and your kids, like what's going on? You know, what are you doing? And I was like, Okay, well, I can't be the only one who's gone through this. So I'm gonna help and you know, we're gonna make a difference. So that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, for me, if I hadn't done that, I for sure would have given into the, I, I, I for sure would have ended up in a ditch, divorced, drunk on, I don't, there would have been a complete 360 from there if I hadn't done it yeah. for sure. hundred percent. There, there's, there's so many powerful ideas and themes in that story. You know, I mean, I'll take it back to just the, 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 the really negative feelings and ideas that you tried just sweeping under the rug and, and yeah. just kind of putting them away and not working through them, you know, and just trying to bottle them up or put them away for, yeah. I, I, for later in the end, because it had to come out one way or another, you know, that's important for people to hear because, you know, everyone's journey is going to be different. There are going to be yeah. so many different kinds of setbacks transitions you know you came from one world where you know there were some leftover things that yet you didn't resolve moving into kind of your next the next chapter of your life and these things and as we move from one chapter to another it's really important you know that we resolve these things i'm thinking of things like for instance uh, getting laid off you know you maybe have been in a career for a long time maybe you were in that company for 15 20 years yeah. And then you get laid off. I interviewed somebody last in the first season of the of the podcast who who has done the research on layoffs and has found that it is no different than a tra- any traumatic event mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. because you know there is a there are a lot of things that are happening at once yeah. and you really have to process that before you move on to the next chapter. But most people will just you know sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. move on to the next thing, start the next chapter. To your point, you know, you went and got married, but you had not resolved this thing that was just still sitting there underlying. It was there all along. Yeah. Same thing, whatever it might be, you know, for whoever's listening, there could be something that we have not resolved. And it's, you know, this story is a lesson in, and it's a reminder that, you know, we need to address these things. It's a lesson yeah. in making sure that we, we, we address these things. But then you also talk about how, when you found out that your wife was pregnant with your first child and how that became a catalyst, that became a moment where you realized that's it. Something must change. Something has to change here. And it was time to really begin resolving things again. Mm -hmm. That's another big idea for anyone listening. You know, this is one example of a major moment in someone's life, but again, it could be something positive. It could be something negative, whatever it is, but some moment could just snap you right into I got to figure this out. Like I no more. Like it's that moment where you're like, no more. I got to do this because you knew that you, you wanted to be a certain kind of father and it was time to figure this out. And, and this was the inspiration. And I, and I love how you started it off by saying that you really 
owe so much, you know, to your first child, to your first son, yeah. because, you know, it's, it's because of him that you, you got onto this, you know, path where you started to figure this out, hired your coach. That's the other layer of this. You know, you took massive action. You didn't just say, let me go figure this out by myself. You knew that, look, I don't know how to figure this out by myself. Yeah. So since I already know, I don't know, let's go find somebody who does know, and let's work with them to figure this out. And how long have you been working with your coach now? So I, I, you know, I have, I've moved, you know, as, as I've, as I've got what I need, you know, I've always yeah. been someone that doesn't believe in staying with someone continuously. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought that I heard yeah, that yeah. you were still I with know, the same guy, but you've, you know, I, and I, so yeah, no, I, I mean, it's irrelevant. I mean, it, uh, how long, I guess I, you've been, I, but I, he was I, there when you Paul, needed him. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Paul for, for going on two years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I, I think that's, it's important that you outgrow your coaches because you've got to, you know, if you really are pushing yeah. to get it. But you're still in touch. Them. You're still in yeah, touch yeah, with yeah. your first one. Because you mentioned, you mentioned that text or that message you send them on your yeah, son's yeah. birthday. All the time. You know, all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, that, that. That's incredible right there. It just goes to show, you know, like how yeah. important, you know, yeah. he was in your life in that moment. Yeah. And that, that even if you're still not working with him, yeah. you know, you can still acknowledge this important date where, you know, everything changed. Life was never the same again after that. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's also yeah. about, you know, don't, again, you know, even, even that, don't be afraid to leave a situation that's not serving you and where you want to go. Yeah. That's, that's not got anything to do with the program and what he was doing but i was like i have all the skill sets i need now i want to go and explore this side you know and i went mm -hmm. and spent time exploring flow and high performance brain states and that sort of thing with another coach took what i needed moved from there you know yeah. uh, and and you know went through worked with garrett j white from warrior and worked in you know, Craig Valentine. I mean, these these are some of the elite guys in the in in the world. You know, at at, at what they do, which is helping people create change. Yeah. You know, in specific areas. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the thing is, is for me, for me, the the coaching space now is full of very over caffeinated marketers. Mm -hmm. Personally, yeah. You know, personally, I mean, I get fifty messages a day. I've sat next yeah. to a 22 year old life coach on an airplane. I don't know how many times I've actually lost count. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, it's great. It's great that people want to coach and help. But you know, the, the reason we connected is because you're a practitioner. You're not a theorist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You practice, you practice what you preach and you've been through it and you've got, you've got skin in the game. And I think that's one of the, you know, what I would like to pass across to your listeners is do the research on your coaches. Yeah. Do the research on the people that you want to bring into your life. You know, across the board, not just in a professional space, in the personal space. People you want around yeah. your kids. You know, the people you want around your, your family. These sorts of things are very, very important. You know, and, and it can seem very drastic, you know, and, and draconian. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, like, it, it comes back to that thing. One, you've got a choice. And two, don't believe the lie that you've got time. Use the time that you yeah. have. So do things to the best of your ability with what you have in the moment. You know, yeah. I think it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, just that, mm -hmm. just reaching that point where you look back and you're like, whoa, I don't even recognize that guy. You know, mm -hmm. how, like, 
you know, when I see a picture, I mean, my wife laughs at me, right? Christmas time comes around 2017, 20, you know, 2016, there's a picture that pops up on her Facebook memories. And I know from the laughter, because I'm fat. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not overweight. I was fat and it was a picture from the mm-hmm. side and I was like, Ooh, okay. When I saw that, I was like, Oof. <laughs> ain't having any of this anymore. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it, and that laughter just comes every year and it's, it's funny now, but it's like, wow, that could have very easily gone, you know, to a whole new level. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I'd I think norma- I'd normalized feeling terrible. Yeah. I'd normalized yeah. feeling frustrated. And I'd normalized feeling disempowered. And I, you know, for the listeners out there, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle. And if you do decide to reinvent and change your life, start small. Consider your capacity where you're at right mm-hmm. now. Consider your capacity. You're not going to suddenly yeah. get up and go and run three marathons in month one. No. Go and mm-hmm. walk. Walk yeah. for two months. I mean, yeah. Well, what you said is really important. You said you normalized it. And I mean, that, another way of saying that is you had a lower set of standards. So it was right. all good. It was yeah. all good. I mean, you were living up to the stand. Yeah, it wasn't. But it was all good in the sense that you were living up to the standards that you had set. So you were like, hey, this is a match. This is normal. I'm good. Like, exactly. not, but I am. Yeah. And now, and I think the reason why you can, you know, you and your wife can laugh about it is because the two of you are living a new normal. There's a new standard. So that that's like a whole nother life ago, a whole nother standard ago. So it's yeah. it's something you can laugh about now. But I think what makes it something you can laugh about is that you're on a whole nother standard now. So yeah. that's that's just another life. That was another version of you living on another set of standards <laughs> in a different normal, you know, almost like an alternate universe. Like if there was a multiverse, this is like yeah. the other Barry John, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that guy's done. We don't We don't hang out with that universe anymore. Yeah, I mean, hey, I've got a choice to go back to him anytime I want to. Anytime mm-hmm. I want to, I want to roll the mud. I can go, and that's a choice that we all get yeah. to make every day. It's like, okay, yeah. where do you want to go? You know, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. What serves you? What serves yeah. your family? What serves your community? What serves what you want to leave on the world? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, you know, the other layer. The, the other layer I wanted to touch on before we yeah. move on was you know what what I call the guiding angels on our journey to reinvention mm-hmm. you know we all we all have our guiding angels and these are people that can come into our lives for an hour or less maybe even just a few minutes or be there for a decade or more mm-hmm. and I couldn't help but noticing your story the role that your wife plays you know mm-hmm. it's like you mentioned you know she's the rock you're the you're the kite yeah and she is, she, you know, she's the one who has been there, supported you through everything and really stood by you. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't help but imagine you consider her a guiding angel on your journey to reinvention. Yeah, tell, tell us more about her, the relationship with her, because it, I mean, it, yeah. it's already clear the relationship played a massive role in uh, your transformation. I mean, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's amazing, like, how, you know, with no disrespect to any of my former relationships you know mm-hmm. we i just think you know you can love someone but i never looked at anyone and went yeah i'm gonna have kids with you you know i'm gonna build a life with you I, I, it was kind of like yeah you know there's a connection there but this isn't this isn't it it's not hell yes and mm-hmm. i i mean 
Marta hates it, but I mean, I, I was late in getting to university in the UK. So I studied a master's degree at Oxford Brooks in Oxford. Yeah. And I arrived late because obviously, you know, I've got, I've always had passport and visa problems. You know, for some reason, I, you know, I, I still don't understand the purpose behind it all. I mean, I thought we could just, you know, why can't we just travel where we need to? And I arrived and I looked like I'd just come off, you know, come off an episode of like Deadliest Catch. I was in all my outdoor coaching gear, you know, my sailing kit. I was, I was covered in, <laughs> I was just a I was massive beard, thick, you know, thick guttural South African voice, which has, you know, become much softer now since I had to spend time in Oxford enunciating a lot of what I was saying. Yeah. And yeah, and and, and I, I remember seeing her standing, you know, ahead of me speaking to the lecturer and I was like, wow, you know, yeah, I'm quite impressed. You have beautiful legs and back and and we were just friends. We were genuinely just yeah. friends. And I'd moved to the UK with someone. We were mm-hmm. living together. And that just wasn't working because, you know, hey, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I was working three jobs to pay for my studies mm-hmm. and trying to complete a master's in a year that I'd been advised to do over two years. But me being me, I was like, no, <laughs> I'm gonna, I need to get this done. Because I was playing, I was paying three times the the rate, three three times the usual fees. Because I was a, considered an international student. Okay. And I was like, I was all in on this, you know. And we we were friends, and we went out one night, and you know, she said, "Hey, come take a photo with me." Took a photo. Someone put it on Facebook as these things happen, and then everyone back home in South Africa started asking me who my new girlfriend was, and I was like, "Whoa, hold on." But like you look at the photo now and you can just see there's match, you know, like it just, that caused a whole, you know, avalanche inside my, you know, nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. You know, it was strictly friendship and, you know, it it was a case of that, that relationship ended that I was in, you Mm -hmm. know, and then I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to be a bachelor for the rest of my life. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not relying on women anymore. And the craziest thing is we were sat one night, me, my lab partner, and Marta and her friend, Anna, and Marta, and we were having this discussion, and Marta said, yeah, one day you're going to meet that girl, and you're going to drop everything for her. And I like I look at it now and I'm like, what are the flipping chance that that happens with someone that says that to you, number one. Number two, we then started, you know, we were working, finishing our master's, our master's submission, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going home. I was eating these caffeine tablets, but, I, I, you know, I've always had a huge appetite, always been a hungry human. And I was like, right, I'm, I'm ordering pizza from this place that I knew. You know, it was a small place called Fat Boy's Pizza. Pizza was great. And it arrived and I could see she was hungry and I was like, come and have some. And, you know, that, and it slowly started like that. And then I was just a weirdo a few days later because I was standing next to her while she was working at one of the student computers. And I just, I'm a very tactile person. And I just mm-hmm. saw her hair and I was like, and I just grabbed her hair. I just, grabbed all of her hair like this and she stopped and she's like what, what are you doing and I was like 
<laughs> she's like I, I, I mean i was a complete crazy person and then you know i we, we kind of kept in touch over the summer of that year and then i said you know hey i'm gonna be in you know i think marta said i'm gonna be in london visiting a friend so great i'll come to london i'll meet up with you so i took her to lunch at one of my favorite wine bars in london mm-hmm. um gordon's wine bar if you're ever there great place okay and I, I was just taken aback by how direct she was because she obviously had an idea that this was going to develop into something more. Because she was like, "Look, mm-hmm. my career is important to me. I'm very independent, and I don't need your money." And I went, "This sounds like a great contract." In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, "That's <laughs> awesome." <laughs> I was like, "And I mean, she'd probably kill me for saying this, but I just loved the fact that she loved to eat food like me." You know, mm-hmm. love sport. You know, she's a fantastic skier, snow okay. skiing and water skiing, and you know, just natural athlete. And I was like, "This is great. You don't lie. You don't. Eat. I mean, she'd sell it, but that's not the first thing that she asked for." <laughs> and we, she's mm-hmm. having burritos. I was like, "This is perfect for me. I don't have to feel bad about eating." And yeah, we just, you know, it's just a connection that we made, right? And every challenge that was thrown at us, we just marched on. We just stuck mm-hmm. it out together, you know. And, you know, my mum met her. My dad met her. And my mum being my mum, you know, she's like, you know, five foot two Italian Irish woman, said to me, if she said, if you hurt her, I'm going to kill you. And I took that quite literally because <laughs> that was my mother. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, she, my mum said, this is the first, this is the first girlfriend I've ever liked that you brought home. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. You couldn't have told me that, you know, at any other point. And she's like, no, it wasn't my place. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, it, you know, I look at it as just, again, such a such a pivotal moment in my life mm-hmm. where it just provided that stability that I was looking for because I'm a hammer and I'd always looked at everything as a nail, you know, everything, yeah. I just use a hammer, just go. And, yes, that serves me in some places, but... You know, it, it, in some of the work that I did with the fantastic, you know, I call him my, my therapist, but he's a, he's a coach, Harry. And, you know, he's an ex-British intelligence officer. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's still involved in intelligence operations. <laughs> he just said to me, he said, you know what, you'd be great. Your attitude and your outlook would be great. We'd love to have you in the special forces. But that's not the path you've chosen. You cannot operate like that in the real world. Yeah. You have to consider, you know, the, the how, to, how to act in different situations. And that for me was fantastic because I'd never been to therapy before. And I went to him and he didn't ask me how I felt once. And after an hour, mm-hmm. he said, you can go now and I'll see you next week. And I went, I'm going to come back because you haven't asked me how I felt. He's like, I get the feeling that you would have left if I'd asked you that. I was like, Yes. <laughs> I was like, because I want solutions. And, you know, so it's just, I think it's these little people also that came in. Yes. Shine a light on, hey, look at how lucky you are. Look, like, not even like, like, lucky is, you know, look, look how blessed you are. Look, look at what yes. you have. Just yeah. maintain that awareness on what you have. And, yeah. you know, that's why I will, you know, my kids and my wife, yeah, people, Anyone does anything to them, they're going to have a problem. That's, you know, I'll, I'll be very. Yeah, they're the most important people in your life. No, no, I, I feel 
I'm tremendously inspired by them. You know, tremendously yeah. inspired by them, by them all, mm-hmm. all four of them. Yeah. yeah. So, so if somebody, if somebody meets you today and hears, you know, what you're up to right now, mm-hmm. I think they, I think they would argue, they would say, okay, so this guy is, he, he is living life on his terms. He has defined his, uh, his terms for success. He's built, he's built a life and, and he's on the path. Does it mean that he has achieved the perfect level of his definition of success? Maybe not, but he's marching towards it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's got his family with him and he's got all these pieces in line and, you know, um, fitness, health, wellness, mental strength, family, career focus, you know, yeah. with Project Relentless. I want to go back. What, when was the moment where you knew that I'm on the path? Not the moment. I've made it because I think if I asked somebody like you that you would say, I don't know if I've made it. I'm all, I'm, I'm working towards it and I'm always working towards it. Yeah. But so I think the real question though is because I, what I want listeners to understand, and this is, I think a really powerful thing about the journey to reinvention. It's that moment where you realize to use your words, this idea of normalization, like when it was the bad normal, you know, when did you realize I've entered a new normal? Yeah, this this is the good new normal, not the bad normal from before. I think for me, I think for me, the 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 raising of standards came when you know I you know if I, if I look at my kids for example, you know mm-hmm. if I take my relationship because that that's where I had to start the work first. When I wasn't asking for things, they just came naturally. Things just came naturally inside my relationship, whether that be in the bedroom whether that mm-hmm. be with a handhold, because I was in debt. I was in debt inside my relationship. I was there, yeah. you know, in my meat bag of a body, but mentally I wasn't there. I wasn't present. I wasn't connected. I was distracted. I was angry. I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. That for me, you know, those, when things are not, and, and, and that, that was, that was work that I, you know, it, it started with small appreciation messages left every day at the breakfast table. It started with, sending a video and a message every day on a text, you know, this is yeah. what I'm grateful for about you. This is what I appreciate about you. You know, when I, when I was able, the biggest breakthrough for me was when I was able to just carry on with my day without worrying when someone had cut me off in traffic because I started to reframe. Maybe they're going to get to the hospital. Maybe they're late for a job interview. Maybe they just don't care, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is. And, and, and that, that big moment for me was when I stopped playing the game of ifs and buts and should, this should be like this. Uh, if only that happened, you know, mm-hmm. I, I stopped watching the news. Stopped, yeah. I, stopped, I stopped doing tons of things that were just, you know, just for lack of a better word, just, just slowing me down, like walking through sludge, yeah. you know, just like walking yeah. through sludge. You know, if I couldn't find what I needed to eat, just don't eat. You're not going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, I had 110 kilograms of weight on me. I'm not going to die. I've got fat to burn. You know, I know that can seem extreme, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to die. I might be hungry. Yeah. It might suck, but I'll be fine. You know, yeah. there's a few lessons there. And, and, you know, I think it more became the mental shift of, you know what? If you're hungry, it's because you weren't, you've got food mm-hmm. in your fridge at home. You could have, you could have prepared your stuff. You know, this mm-hmm. is on you you know, little things like that. Then, then the next stage was being able to go out, you know, and enjoy myself without 
thinking in the back of my mind, oh, geez, I really shouldn't be spending this money. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't enjoy that. You know, it's like being a student and being asked to come out and you know you haven't got money to go out and party, but you go out, you don't really enjoy that beer. You know, you don't really mm-hmm. enjoy that night out because you're like, eh. you know, you can't, the, the, the cognitive dissonance is there. Yeah, yeah. massive. massive. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, 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 massively. And it's like, so it's like little things like that. You know, and for anyone that's beginning their journey on it, you know, I I really believe the, the underlying concept, the biggest pillar, keep your promises to yourself. If you can't have integrity with yourself, if you can't call yourself out on your own BS, it's just never going to happen. You know, if you can't, if you, if, if you, if you can't take things, you know, don't, there's no need to take things personally. You know, mm-hmm. be aware of when your ego, like these little things. And that, that was, that was stuff that I only, you know, these were skill sets that I only learned by finding coaches, you know, yeah. like finding the meditation teachers, by spending time with the relationship coaches mm-hmm. and learning like, wow, you know, whoa, okay. I thought that I was, you know, quite in tune with, you know, with women in my relationship and I could, oh, no, you're not, you know, you just... You know, it was understanding these little things and then just going and going, okay. And I think that's where also we can we can get paralyzed by all the input. Also, the turnaround for me was the implementation of that. Implementation mm-hmm. of what I was learning. What's the result? Okay, cool. Do I like that result? Yes. Okay. Carry on implementing. Yeah. Okay. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack, mm-hmm. unpack there, but... You know, when you get very clear on what it is that you love, that you really love, mm-hmm. and it is a bit cliched, but when you get really clear on it, it doesn't matter if you're sore or tired or you've had two hours. It doesn't matter because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And that mm-hmm. that's really where I worked myself too, where I was like, okay, you know, create the leverage Hey, family, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do the Special Forces March with 24 kilos in a backpack. And it sucked so much. But I was like, there is no ways I'm not training for this and, mm-hmm. you know, arriving for it and not completing it. I don't care how long it takes, but I'm going to get there in the end. Yeah. And it's the lessons you draw off that and the lessons you draw from doing that hard stuff, you know, doing those hard things and putting yourselves in, the, in those challenging situations. And, and you know, for, for those of you... yeah listening if you are going through a reinvention at the moment the fear that you feel is actually excitement because deep down if you sit with what you're feeling you know that this is the right choice to take yeah you know it's the right like you know and it's because there's nothing worse right i've I've seen a lot of death in my time growing up and i've been there at the end you know and there's nothing more unsettling than seeing someone die with regret. Mm-hmm. Nothing more unsettling to see the regret in their face at the moment that 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 they take their last breath. That that is scary, you know. And and that that should be enough for you to go, hey, I'm I'm not going to leave any stone unturned here, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's I tend to find that I'm you know I'm 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 inspired by being negative as probably not the right word, but I, I need to put myself in situations where it's like, Hey, if I don't get this done, my, someone's going to come and kill my family. I know that mm-hmm. it's very dark and very morbid, but it, that clicks in my, in my brain. It, yeah. it ignites 
that animal inside me. And we are unfortunately conditioned to be very docile and very, you know what? If, if, if someone came to you and said, look, you know, I'm going to do this to your family unless you find a million dollars by then, you'll do it. You'll do it. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how much you can access when it really matters, when, when, it, when yep. things are Yeah, right. exactly. And I like what you said about these moments that push you, yeah. I mean, so far, and they could seem really, you know, painful, difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think it's in those moments that we also get to know ourselves best. I mean, that when, when I think about those moments along my journey, moments that really just pushed me to my absolute limit and then took me a little bit further than my limit. Mm-hmm. And then someone tells you, yeah, I don't think you're going to make it at this point. And but here's what it would take if you want to give it a shot. And you're like, you just find the way to get there when you get there, you know, because usually it's something that matters to you, of course, to your point. Right. If it matters that much to you, if you care that much about it, you will find a way you really learn like what matters. to you. That's where, you know, for sure. Wow. Like, look at what I'm capable of when something matters Mm -hmm. versus when it doesn't, because there's times where it just doesn't matter. And that's fine. <laughs> I always tell people, look, it's cool if something doesn't matter to you. Like, not everything has to matter to you. Yeah. You know, that that date is coming. January 1st is coming where you are going to talk about all the things that apparently matter to you. They'll be gone mm-hmm. in weeks. <laughs> yeah. In there. It's coming. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. it, it, the thing is, is that it's like, you know, this is something that I always tell those that I work with. It's like, if you haven't won the morning, focus on winning the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't win the afternoon, win the night. Yeah. Like win the evening. Like, you know, you can – this This is one of the things that, that kind of clicked in my brain when I was and, – and this is why, you know, if you are in that process of reinventing yourself, whether that is personally or professionally, you've gone through a divorce, you've gone through a retrenchment, maybe – I don't know. Everyone's going to have a story here. You know, that's why I love the name of this podcast. I love the name of this podcast. Appreciate that, man. And it's get out in nature. Take the time and get outside into something that is so much bigger than you and just realize how insignificant you are. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been up some incredible mountains. I've nearly fallen off some big ass mountains where no one would have found me, you know. And again, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, but you're, you know, you're, you're 39 years old and you've got three kids. And I'm like, hey, and what? If I die? Life insurance is there, you know, and that drives, you know, it drives my wife nuts because she's like, oh, but what? I was like, you'll be fine. But if I die and I've kind of just been, you know, pattering along and then I get shown, because I'm sure there's going to be something on the other end, whatever that is. If I get shown what I could have done, if I just gone 80, that'll kill me. That would be hell to me. That would be absolute hell to me. If I get shown what I could have done and, and, you know, Getting out in nature, you know, it's one of the things that we that we really drive inside inside Project Relentless is spend time outside. If you are a very driven, very busy individual, or you're someone who's going through a reinvention, I love this. I love this. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going you're going through that moment of hey, you know, I've just been hit with this problem. Yeah. Get outside, create some space, create some space because staring at your phone or scrolling, you know, another mile of news feed and, you know, taking advice, you know, from people that are not really doing much, you know, family members, <laughs> you know, it's not going to help you. You know, it's, it's just going to increase the feelings of anxiety and overwhelm and chaos. Yeah. 
that you're already feeling, you get out there and you just realize, hey, you know, a zebra gets born, it better walk or is it going to get eaten? You know, the bird wants food, it just goes and gets it. You know, an eagle wants this, it goes and gets it. You know, hippopotamus yeah. wants to walk over there, it just walks where it wants. And, and it's so black and white. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I know that I know that we as humans can't be black and white, but it's really a case of like, look, if you want it, go and get it. Just just go and get it. And and even if it, you don't you don't get what that exact thing is, even if you get eighty percent of the way there, it's still going to be a far better position than where you were before. Far better, light yeah. better. Yeah, eighty percent to be exact. Which yeah, is not <laughs> not too shabby. It's better than nothing. You know, it's fifty percent better than sixty percent, but I think that's where the that's where the, the 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 human. I think that's where that's where we limit ourselves. Yeah, we limit ourselves that's, by going. Oh no, but I, I need rest, and I, I need this, and I need this to be right. And it's like, listen, yeah, man, it could be raining, it could be drought, it could be anything. But out in nature, if they want something, they're going to get it. Otherwise, they die. And that's yeah. that's the choice. You know, that's the choice. It's move yeah. or die. Yeah, it's, it's this idea that I think that sometimes we can fall into this trap of thinking it's got to be 100% or nothing. And and you just made me reflect on something, a technique that I used when I taught ma- uh, math, when I taught middle school and high school math. I used to tell all my students, it was a way of framing things differently. I used to tell them all that when they were wrong, I go, no one is ever completely wrong. Like, you know, whatever your answer was is yeah. never completely wrong unless you, you know, the question was like two plus two uh, and you put equals dog. Like that's, that's, that's probably 100% wrong, except that a dog has four legs. So I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're kind of right. So there's like no, there's no true completely wrong answer. If you give it a shot, if you work towards it, you might be, you know, you're, you're most likely some percent right. 20% 20% right, 30%, 40%, 50%. And the idea there was to really shift the thinking from I'm wrong or I failed completely and I can't do this to, oh, I got 40% of the way. That's better. To your point, that's better than zero. I mean, I was at square zero yeah. and now I'm at 40%. Okay. So I just have to march another 60. It's not even like I have to do 100 at this point. I just got to figure out the remaining yeah. 60 that's better than a hundred. So let's go for it. Let's try to figure it out. And I think that that's a a really important distinction that you just shared because it, it, we can't set the goal as 100% or nothing. Otherwise to your point, then yeah, then then all of a sudden a little bit of rain will, will keep us from it because rain is not going to produce 100%. It's going to produce something less than 100%. Oh, but it won't be perfect because, you know, it'll be a little bit of mud and, you know, it's just not going to be the same. And, and I really need perfect and ideal conditions for my 100% performance yeah. or 100% goal achievement. It's just not going to happen. The conditions will never be perfect anyway. So might as well go for 80%, 70% shit, 40%. <laughs> I'll take 40% at this point. You know, if, I, if I'm sitting here at zero for so long, I'll take 40. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure in amongst your listeners, there's, there's a statistician that, that might be able to give some, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure if you look across all sports, your top performers, 80% of the time they're on, they're on the money. 80%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 80% like your, your true high performance. You know, I've, I've worked with world and Olympic champion athletes. They've never gone into an Olympic final or a world championship final hundred percent. Never. Yeah. Never. I've had one of them on well, the phone. Look at baseball. Like, look at baseball. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Look at baseball, right? Like a great batting average is if you're batting like 300 or 30%, right? 30%. Like that, you're you're just an insane baseball player. If you fail 70% of the time, you are one of the best. Yeah. That's incredible, right? To your point. And that's a completely flipped around. Forget 80%. No, you're failing 70% of the time, which yeah. means you're one of the best in the world. Congratulations. Yeah, I, uh, you're right. I had an athlete on the phone to me the night before World Championships. Oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I'm going to be here. I was like, listen, I was like, you are one of the top 12 human beings in the world at this present moment in time for what you do. What do you want to do? I want to go win. Okay, how are you going to do that? I'm just going to be a master of the basics. 100%. There you go. There you go. Okay. And how do you master the basics? By rocking up every damn day. Every day. Mm -hmm. Rain, shine, snow, mud, flat tire. You know, there've been days where I've had a flat tire in my car, run to work, run to work, because I'm like this. You know, the goals that my personal training client has are more important than my excuse Mm -hmm. right now. Run to work. Yeah, I get to save ten pounds in in transport fees, so I'm going to sleep in the boathouse tonight to make sure that I'm here for the for the for the man in the morning. Get it done. You know, and yeah. the thing is, the thing is, unfortunately, is, you know, social media is powerful because it brought us together. It's powerful mm-hmm. because it allows you to deliver a really powerful message through your network and channels. But at the same time, it also shows you the highlights, shows you the highlights mm-hmm. of success. It shows you the highlights of all this glitz and glamour and stuff. Yeah. Looks like 100%. Yeah, looks like 100%. You know, you speak to any of these people. I mean, you know, there, there was a billionaire that I worked with from China. You know, fantastic human being. You know, Desmond, one of the most unique human beings I've ever met. And I met a lot of them, you know, from arms dealers all the way through. That's a story for another time. But Desmond, I said to him, you know, now this guy, you know, was an advisor to some of the most powerful, powerfully politically uh, connected people in China. Mm-hmm. responsible for the development of the Beijing travel, Beijing customs and transport and cargo area at the Beijing airport. Mm-hmm. That was a personal project. But just the headspace. I said to him, I said, how did you keep going to get to the point where, you know, you have the freedom of choice and freedom of movement that you do? He said, if I'd looked at the mountain, I wouldn't have got started. He said, I just kept my head down. I remember him, he said, I just... He said, I kept my bleep, tall Chinese head down, and I just took one step at a time. Yes. Yeah, we, that, you know, the, look, I've touched on choice. I've touched on, I've touched on choice quite a few times. You do, you've got this road of taking one step at a time, or you've got death by a thousand cuts to the point where it gets so bad that, you know, you, you've normalized things, you know, physically, mentally, relationships, professionally, you've just normalized being in a poor state, that's the standard. Or you can just take one step towards what you want. You can just say mm-hmm. no to that extra episode of Netflix, which you know is going to lead to, you know, a bowl of ice cream because our willpower is always later, uh, always worse later than and go to bed and get rest so that you can wake up, you know, and, and this is something that I always point out to, to those I work with, I'm like, are you going to work for an hourly rate or are you going to work for said company? Because if you're going to work for an hourly rate, 
do you need to find another another career because mm-hmm. there's no inspiration there there's no willingness to drive that company or that business or that charity to the stratosphere mm-hmm. you know and, and i don't you know we have a chaotic life we do mm-hmm. we have busy lives yep but questions like that can can shift they can shift things they can reframe things and you know that that I believe is one of the one of the biggest weapons that I have, and and what's allowed me to to, to turn my life around. Better questions, ask better questions. You know, ask better yep. questions has always been something that's been a go to for me. Yeah. Absolutely. So Barry John, we're yeah. gonna so I'm gonna do a quick little wrap up sequence yeah. here. I mean, we're a little over time, and I gotta get going because I have another call. So I'm gonna do a quick little wrap up, and then bef- when I wrap up. Don't hang up yet because we need to make sure that all the audio files are uploaded completely. So hang on there for just another couple minutes and I'll let you know. Okay. Barry John, this, this was an incredible conversation. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, one of your greatest reinventions, the one that landed you where you are today. So many of your values, your, your empowering and limiting beliefs. And I really think that, you know, there's, there's so much for, very different people from in, in different in different moments of their journey to get from get something from this story. Whether it was you know a, a point in time where you were in the lowest moments, like you shared, but it could also be where you know you were moving more towards what you wanted, and when you knew you finally got to this point where you're like, wow, there is a new normal in my life, you know. And and people are on one end or the other, or anywhere in between, or even not even on the journey yet. And I think that this story is really impactful in that way. Barry John, thank you so much uh, for your time, for sharing those insights, your reflections, your journey, and more importantly, for sharing so openly. That is what I appreciate the most because I think that is how our listeners and, and, and that's how I can learn as well best when we hear the real stories. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And real quick, before we do close out fully, tell me real quick, where, where can someone go? Where do you want someone to go learn more about you? So they're uh, like, okay, I got to find this Barry John guy. Like, where do you want them to go first? All your links, by the way, will be in the show notes. But I just want to know, like, tell the audience right now where so they go can, first. You can find me on Facebook, Barry John Mulder, just, just on Facebook and, and on Instagram, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. It's B-A-R-R-I-E. Not mm-hmm. B-A-R-R-Y, like Barry White, but B-A-R-R-Y. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll, you'll notice me, I'm, you know, bald head, yeah. beard, so yeah, all good. There we go. And we'll, like I said, all the links are going to be in the show notes, so you'll be able to, like, follow him on all of the platforms. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.